What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Football Fanatic. It's time for our Week 10 recap. I'll try to keep this a little shorter today. Um, actually, I actually just finished writing an article for uh, FFD 260, so I will be... I don't think it'll post today, but I am going to post an audio version of that on my podcast tomorrow. So you can either check that out online. So uh, when I post that episode, I'll basically just be uh, reading my article. So you can either, um, if you want, I'll just put the link to the article in the description for that episode. So you can either read it or you can listen to it uh, on the podcast. So whatever you'd prefer, but I will be doing that hopefully tomorrow. But until then, we've got a recap to do. So let's get right into it. first matchup of the week took place on Thursday Night Football. It was the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals, and this one was big for the Seahawks. First of all, because it got them up to 6-3, and three, which is, uh, I believe, one game behind the Rams for the division lead. Um, so they've been looking good, but Richard Sherman tears his Achilles in this game. He will be out for the rest of the year, and that's going to have a really, really big impact on this team and might end up making a big difference in the playoffs if they can... I think they'll get there, but... I don't know how far they're going to get with this injury. Richard Sherman, as most of us probably know at this point, only covers one side of the field. And when targeting, like, that was the best side of the field out of any team in football. In, uh, like, the opposing defensive passer rating, um, just, uh, it was by far the best. Because they're weak on the other side. And Richard Sherman is good, so teams just don't game plan to go towards him. They game plan towards the other side. And now that that's gone, their secondary is pretty weak. I think it's going to have a big impact on how this team performs. So, with that in mind, and also the news, or the knowledge that Earl Thomas is possibly going to miss this next week, and maybe uh, into the future, as he's also suffering with an injury, we'll talk about their offense a little bit. Russell Wilson... Two touchdowns, 238 yards. He made some magic. If you saw that one play where he scrambled around, he's just running backwards and backwards, and all of a sudden he just chucks it up for Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin makes a great catch and takes it down like 20, 30 yards inside the 10-yard line. Like, Russell Wilson is going to have to put this team on his back if he wants this team to have a chance. Um, and that's what he did in this game, and I expect um, more big production games from him. We'll see if it's enough to have the team find success or not. Um, the ground game, still not able to get anything going. Thomas Rawls had 10 carries for 27 yards. It's under 3 yards a carry. CJ Procise, 3 for 3. He didn't look good, and the team has finally decided to put him on injured reserve, so he will not be coming back for the season. Um, for receiving, Doug Baldwin, 5 for 95. He was really the only valid wide receiver. Jimmy Graham, 6 for 27, two touchdowns. Again, continues to be involved in the red zone. So he is a great streaming option for uh, fantasy at the tight end position. Pretty much a boomer bust guy, it looks like, because he's a red zone target, and that's about it. But he's getting them. So as long as he's getting those looks, he's a worthy streamer. For the Cardinals, Adrian Peterson had a terrible day. 21 attempts for 29 yards, marking just the seventh time in NFL history. Our back has... Uh, taken at least 20 carries and gotten less than 30 yards. Not a good day for him. They game-planned all week that he was going to be the guy, and I think Seattle knew that, and they game-planned for it. They had eight men in the box all day, just tempting, just asking Drew Stan to throw it against them, and he couldn't do it. So Drew Stan missed quite a few wide-open throws. I think this game would have looked a little bit different. I'm not saying they would have won, but I think it would have been um, a little bit of a closer game if it wasn't for those bad throws and I mean they did lose by six points but there were some garbage time plays in there that helped them catch up so it wasn't as close as it looked Fitzgerald 
as usual, the best guy on that offense, 10 for 113. The only other really valid guy for them is Jermaine Gresham, tight end, 564 and a touchdown. Uh, also had a few that sailed wide, so while Drew Stanton is throwing, it's going to limit Gresham's upside just because he misses a lot of throws. But I think he's turning into a valid streamer as well. He w he seemed to be a guy that Stanton was throwing to quite a bit and could be a reliable safety blanket for the Cardinals going forward. Next, we talk about the domination of the New Orleans Saints over the Buffalo Bills. And the Saints in this game, when you think about the Saints, you think Drew Brees, but he wasn't really that big a part of this game. He threw for less than 200 yards and no touchdowns. The story of the game was the rushing. They had six rushing touchdowns on 45 carries throughout the game. Mark Ingram had 21 carries. Alvin Kamara had 12. Trey Edmonds, third-string running back, also had nine. And all of them had a ton of success. Mark Ingram, three touchdowns. Kamara had a touchdown. Edmonds had a touchdown. Drew Brees even snuck one in on a sneak at the goal line. Like, there is nothing... Like, it doesn't look like any team can stop the rushing attack for the Saints. They are looking amazing. Kamara and Ingram are both, like, maybe even top five running backs the way it's looking right now. They are producing week after week. And I think that's not good news for the passing game. Michael Thomas is really the only guy that is worth playing at the receiver position. But even in this game, he did very well, 9 for 117. He's a reliable target, even when Drew Brees isn't throwing very much. For the Bills, it wasn't pretty. Tyrod Taylor actually got benched later in this game. I'm not sure if it was just to protect him or not, or if it was because he was playing that badly. I don't think we've really gotten word on that yet. But Nathan Peterman, the rookie, took his place for a while. Um, 7 for 10, 79 in the touchdown for him, but that touchdown was in garbage time. It didn't mean anything. Um... Tyrod Taylor, 9 for 18, 56 yards a pick, no touchdowns. Um, so he was complete bust. LaShawn McCoy was 8 for 49 and didn't really get much for him either. I think better days are ahead for him, though. The Saints uh, Saints defense is pretty good, and the Bills, the Bills um, matchups get quite a bit easier going forward. Kelvin Benjamin, in his debut, led the team with 3 for 42. And, yeah, led the team with 42 yards and 3 catches. That's how bad this game was for the Bills. Um, and Charles Clay, 2 for 13. Better days for them are ahead as well also. I think both of them just need to get acclimated with this offense. Um, but they did not look good in this game. There's no two ways about it. The Saints, though, they look fantastic and look like one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best. As well as one of the most balanced. Next up, Brett Hundley was finally able to get the Packers a win. This one was over the Bears, 23-16. to Brett Hundley... 212 yards on the day and a touchdown. That touchdown goes to Devontae Adams, who's 5 for 90 and a touchdown on the game. He seems to be uh, a reliable threat, even with the obvious lack of production from Hunley as of late. Seems like Adams has a role for himself and has turned into the number one receiver. Jordy Nelson, though, he might not be... He's definitely not a must-start. I don't know if you want to even start him at all, though, to be honest. He was 3-for-20 in this game, and unless I see Hunley start to make things different, I think the only pass catcher you can start for the Packers is Devontae Adams. On the ground, Aaron Jones suffered an MCL injury. He's going to be out for 3-6 to six weeks, so that means more work for Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams. Ty Montgomery actually aggravated his rib injury he's been dealing with in this game as well. He was 6-for-54 in a touchdown, so he looked great while he was out there but uh, aggravated his injury, so that's something to keep an eye on. They're optimistic that he plays this week, but I think it will be a time split. With Jamal Williams, who had 20 carries in this game, so he definitely got quite a bit of work, and I expect that to be uh, the case going forward as well. For the Bears, uh, Mitch Trubisky looked 
uh, pretty good. He's improving every week, but still not really getting a lot of help from his receivers. There's some missed routes. There's some dropped passes. Um, he definitely doesn't have a lot of help. But the leading receiver for the team was Dontrell Inman, who they acquired from the Chargers a few weeks ago. Six for 88. Kendall Wright was five for 46. Nobody else had more than three catches, and that was Benny Cunningham, the third-string running back. So uh, not much there. Jordan Howard was shut down in this game, 15 attempts for 54 yards. Jordan Howard is all, I mean, the Packers' run defense has always been not that bad, though. It's their pass defense that has been struggling in their pass rush. So um, I think better days are ahead for Jordan Howard as well. Once he goes against some uh, better or worse run defenses, um, but for now, Jordan Howard is really the only viable starter in fantasy for the Bears. Next, the Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns. The Lions won this one 38-24. And this one, I, was, I wasn't watching this game, but I was watching the ticker as I was watching a different game. And at one point, the Browns were winning 10-0, and I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? But apparently, the, uh, the, the Lions got back in it eventually. Matt Stafford throws three touchdowns in this one. Uh, Marvin Jones is not involved at all, though, after scoring two touchdowns and getting a whole bunch of yards last week. Not really involved at all, and he has one catch for 22 yards in this game. So I don't know if this is an outlier or uh, if he's kind of returning to the form that he was before he exploded over the past few weeks. Golden Tate was uh, his normal self, though, 6 for 97 and a touchdown. Continues to be the best receiver the Lions have. Theoretic, the pass catching back, also gets a touchdown. Other than that, though, he only had three catches for 12 yards. So not as involved as he used to be, uh, unfortunately, for his owners. The other guy who caught a touchdown, Eric Ebron, 2 for 39 in touchdown. I still don't want any part of him, though. He's so inconsistent, and they've already got uh, other tight ends working in the mix there. So not really excited about having him. Amir Abdullah was 11 for 52 and a touchdown. And this was kind of surprising because the Browns, we've talked about it, they have one of the better run defenses in the NFL for all of their struggles. I didn't expect Abdullah to do that much, and he didn't get a ton of work, but he did average almost five yards a carry and get a touchdown, so if you had the, the guts to start him, he actually did you pretty well there. For the Browns, though, uh, Deshaun Kaiser actually was in the, I think he was number six in quarterback scoring last week. He had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown along with 57 yards rushing, so he did pretty well. Um, I don't think anyone would have started him. Isaiah Crowell finally getting it back together, though. 16 for 90 and a touchdown. And after a really, really rough start over the past few weeks, he's kind of heating up. So we'll see if that continues. Uh, as I saw Mike Clay quote, Just as everybody thought, as soon as Joe Thomas went on injured reserve, that's when the Browns running game finally found their stride. It, the Browns just don't make any sense. Kenny Britt, 2 for 38, catches the only touchdown in this game. Again, it's just two catches, so there's not there's nothing exciting in the Browns passing game. And honestly, I'm not that excited by Crowell either. I'm I don't trust him to maintain the success he's had. Um but they are scoring some points now, so we'll have to see if they can continue that. Who would have thought that Jacoby Brissett would throw two touchdowns against this legit Steelers defense? Not me, that's for sure. One of them goes to Dante Moncrief. That was his only catch of the game. It was a 60-yard touchdown. It's kind of a blown coverage, it looked like to me. Uh, some guy wasn't in their zone or misunderstood the coverages. Blew the coverage. Dante Moncrief goes all the way for a 60-yard touchdown. But that's his only catch of the game, so still not really interested in having him. The leading receiver was Chester Rogers, 6 for 104 and a touchdown. Wasn't D.Y. Hilton? Um, I think Chester Rogers partly had the success because... They had um, the Steelers had an injury to one of their corners, Joe Hayden, and that put a different number three receiver in the game, 
and Chester Rogers is the number three receiver, so that would be my guess as to the success. I'm not really expecting that going forward. Um, but Jacoby Brissett continues to put up some numbers, and I th- he's a valid streamer, I think, uh, especially if you're getting some uh, spotty production from a lot of the main quarterbacks out there, that he's a w- guy worth taking a look at, depending on what's going on for you. Frank Gore, 17 for 54, nothing really exciting there. But the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell, 26 for 80, nothing really that great, only averaged three yards a carry. The Pittsburgh Steelers just has a whole struggle in this game. They almost lost. It was 20-17. to 17. I don't know if I said that already or not. Um, Juju Smith-Suster, another great game for him. 5 for 97 and a touchdown, while Antonio Brown only 3 for 47. And I think it's worth noting that since Juju Smith-Suster has kind of emerged for the Steelers, so over those three games, Antonio Brown has had less than, I believe it's 70, maybe 80 yards in each of those three games. Only has three touchdowns so far in the season. He's still the best receiver in the league, but I'm wondering if it's time to start tampering expectations with him a little bit because he hasn't been putting up the numbers that we're used to. I think it's partly because of Smith-Schuster's emergence and partly because Ben Roethlisberger just has been struggling over this year overall. So Antonio Brown's still the best player in the league, most talented guy, but his production hasn't been the way that we've expected it to be. Next up, the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Chargers in overtime, 20 to 17. If you listen to my preview for Week 10, you heard me say the Jaguars, at, the Jaguars are going to beat the Chargers, but the Chargers are going to put up a fight, and that is exactly what happened. It went into overtime, the Chargers barely won it out in the end. Blake Bortles looked like Blake Bortles in this game, though. Threw two picks, did throw a touchdown. That one went to Marquise Lee, who's actually been a very consistent production guy at wide receiver this year. And looks to get an even bigger uptick in production as Alan Hearns, who led the team 7-for-70 in this game and has been pretty much the uh, primary guy taking targets away from Lee, he got injured in this game. It's unclear how long he's going to be out. I haven't heard yet. Um, Hopefully we'll come back with that by the next episode, uh, the uh, Week 11 preview. But Marquise Lee looking for an uptick in targets. So he's already been doing pretty well, and I expect that to continue. Leonard Fournette did not look good in this one, 17 for 33, averaging less than two yards of carry, and the Chargers' defense is pretty good, so I give them credit. I think Leonard Fournette will bounce back in the coming weeks. For the Chargers, Phillip Rivers throws two touchdowns, both of which go to Austin Ekelar, the second-string running back. And this is a situation I'm going to keep an eye on, because Melvin Gordon was the guy catching passes and running the ball before. Now, this week, 16 attempts, 27 yards, so... Another guy, less than two yards average per carry, and only he gets five catches, but Ekelar also catches five touches. He also gets five catches, and two of them go for touchdowns along with 77 yards, while Gordon gets only 15 on his. So I'm curious if Ekelar is going to start to get more run in this offense. None of the receivers really did a lot, though, and again, I said that was going to happen. This is the Jaguars' defense, the number one scoring defense in the league, probably the best cornerback duo in the league as well. Can't really expect much from the Chargers, and I I didn't, honestly. Um, so yeah, this, this game pretty much went like I expected. It seems like every time that I say a team has given up and they're not going to really win any games, they go out and win the next game. That's what happened with the Buccaneers this week. They take down the New York Jets 15-10. to um, I know I've, I've said that about the Jets actually earlier in the season. I said that about the Bills. Um, just the season hasn't really gone the way I expected. I, I think that's a common thread from what I'm getting from other people. 
The really frustrating thing for me in this game, uh, Matt Forte did not play in this game, so Bilal Powell was getting the start at running back. I expected him to have a big game, and he gets 30 yards pretty much right off the bat and gets nothing after that. He had a 21-yard run, and then on his other nine carries, nine yards, and just just a very poor game. I, It's very frustrating because the Jets' run game has been so good, and then when you go up against the Buccaneers, whose defense has been just awful throughout this whole year, they've been struggling with injuries. And then all of a sudden, Blah Powell comes out and plays like this. He loses a fumble, only gains 30 yards on the 10 carries, catches one pass. Just very, very poor output from the Jets. Um, pretty upsetting. I think uh, Matt Forte should be returning pretty soon. And Yeah, I think uh, all three of the Jets running backs, Powell, Forte, and McGuire, are on the list of guys that I do not want. Robbie Anderson, though. He is a guy that I do want. Four for 85 and a touchdown. I believe this is his fifth straight game with a touchdown. And that is crazy. He has um, as many games straight as a tu- with a touchdown as DeAndre Hopkins. He's the only Hopkins is the only one that has as many straight games with a touchdown as Robbie Anderson. The only other guy to really produce for the team, Austin Safarian Jenkins, six for 67. And he didn't really get most of that production until the end of the game. They also have some tough matchups coming up for tight ends. I believe all the rest of their games are against uh, top 10 tight end defending defenses. So Safarian Jenkins might be a guy you want to sell high if your trade deadline has not passed yet. For the Buccaneers, not really much of note. Mike Evans didn't play in this game. Um, Doug Martin didn't really do that much. 20 carries for 51 yards. He did get lead back duties again, but he didn't really do much with it. Deshaun Jackson was 6 for 82. Chris Godwin, 5 for 68. I don't really know how much you can uh, rely on that, though, because Mike Evans will be coming back next week. I don't expect Godwin to do much of anything, and I think Deshaun Jackson's production will go down as well. The only thing here, Cameron Brake catches one pass for 10 yards. I would have expected him to be more involved, especially with Mike Evans out of the game. A little bit concerning from him. Um, I'm putting his stock down a little bit, but honestly, aside from possibly Cameron Brake, there's not anybody I want for the Buccaneers. They have been very bad, and Robbie Anderson's the only guy I want for the Jets. So out of this whole matchup, that's the that's the one guy I want for these both teams. The Tennessee Titans take down the Cincinnati Bengals 24-20. to And the Titans didn't look that great in this game. The, the big thing for them, though, DeMarco Murray, 14 for 42 and two touchdowns, also caught a pass, or caught a touchdown, along with three other catches, uh, 30 total yards on those four. So he is finally returning to form, maybe. I don't know. He only averaged three yards a carry, but they just gave him a lot of goal line work. He actually barely got more carries than Derrick Henry yet again, and Henry did a lot more with his carries. Murray was 14 for 42. Derrick Henry was 11 for 52. So I think that the work is going to continue to be split. Looks like DeMarco Murray is the goal line back, though, which gives him quite a bit much more upside. Rashard Matthews went 5 for 50 in this game. Not too bad from him. Delaney Walker, 6 for 63, even playing through an injury. He's probably the most reliable tight end out there. Uh, most consistent tight end, I should say. There's other guys like Gronk and Kelsey that will have really big games, um, but they also can have games with a little bit less. Delaney Walker is very consistent every week, it seems like. Corey Davis, 4 for 48. I can I think he's going to continue to get more involved as the season goes on. And then for the Bengals, Andy Dalton throws two touchdowns, which go to A.J. Green and Brandon LaFell. A.J. Green caught one a 70-yard touchdown late in the game to um, try and close the gap on the Titans. They actually That one actually put them in the lead, 
but Derek Hen- or De- DeMarco Murray caught his third touchdown of the game, which put them in the lead at the end. But A.J. Green goes 5 for 115 in touchdown. So aside from that 7-yard touchdown, didn't really do much in the game, but good to see that he got that. De- uh, Joe Mixon, 9 for 37 in a touchdown. So, again, he has a pretty good average when he's out there. He's a 4-yard average and scores a touchdown, but he just continues to not get any volume whatsoever, and I do not understand why that is. He doesn't do that poorly, but I don't know. The Bengals are just passing a lot, and Mixon's not really getting the work that I think he probably should be getting if the Bengals want to have any ground game going. So that definitely limits his upside, but good to see him get in the end zone. Hopefully things will get better for him going forward. The Minnesota Vikings advance to 7-2 and after taking down the Washington Redskins 38-30. to Case Keenum throws four touchdowns. Does throw two pretty bad interceptions late in the game, but four touchdowns. You can't overlook that. Two of them go to Jarius Wright and David Morgan, who those each of those were their only catches on the game. But the other ones go to, no surprise, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Adam Thielen went eight for 166, and he looks like one of the top receivers in the league. I have a hard time, when I'm doing my rankings for FFD 260, I have a hard time keeping him out of my top I don't know, it's seven or eight. Like, he just produces week after week. And even guys like Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, Julio Jones are getting outproduced by Adam Thielen. Like, <clears throat> I can't put him above them yet just because he hasn't been doing it as long. But he has been probably the... I think he's closing in on Antonio Brown for the best season of a wide receiver so far this year. <clears throat> he's been very, very good. Stefan Diggs still coming off of his injuries, four for 78 and a touchdown in this game. <clears throat> so he's still not getting... Uh, quite the work that he was before, but does catch a touchdown, so that's good to see. Latavius Murray leads the backfield in carries, though. He goes 17 for 68 and a touchdown, while Jarek McKinnon gets only 10 carries for 32 yards. Does catch two passes for 15 yards, though. This is a confusing backfield as there is out there. I never know who's going to start week to week. I continue to think Jarek McKinnon's a better back, but for some reason, Murray's getting more work, and he is the goal line back as well, it looks like, so... Um, both of them are flex plays at this point. It's hard to know what to expect from them. And for Cousins, I benched him in a few leagues because you're going up against the Vikings defense. You don't really expect a lot. But he throws a touchdown and rushes for two, so he had a really good day. Um, Rob Kelly goes down in this game, so Samaji Piran will be taking lead back duties for Washington, at least for now. Chris Thompson continues to be involved, of course. He had uh, 12 touches for 67 yards. Jamison Crowder, 4 for 76. Vernon Davis continues to fill in well for Jordan Reed. He went 7 for 76. Other than that, the receivers are all very inconsistent. Terrell Pryor does absolutely nothing. Josh Doxson, 4 for 30. Um, I think outside of Vernon Davis, I don't really want any of the pass catchers for the Redskins right now. And I don't really trust Samaje Piran that much either since he's splitting work with Chris Thompson. And since the Redskins' O-line is not that good, Rob Kelly was doing badly even when he was healthy. So I'm not really expecting a lot from the running game. I think Vernon Davis slash Jordan Reed is pretty much the only guys I want. And then Chris Thompson is a flex play. The L.A. Rams continue their dominant ways, taking down the Houston Texans 33-7. to Jared Goff throws three touchdowns and continues to look very much improved over last year. Also throws for 355 yards. 171 of those yards go to Robert Woods, who is starting to look like the number one receiver for the Rams. Sammy Watkins continues to just not really be involved. Does catch a touchdown, but only catches two passes. I believe it's four targets on the game. Just not really that involved. He's always going against the number one corners. Um, That probably has an effect, but Robert Woods is the only wide receiver that I want for the Rams. 
Eight for 171, two touchdowns. He's looked spectacular, and he's on the waiver wires in a lot of leagues, so that's worth checking if you need a receiver going forward. Cooper Cup, six for 47. I think he's valid as well, actually. Uh, doesn't get a ton in this game, but especially in PPR leagues, he continues to be consistent in catches. Doesn't always translate to a lot of yards and touchdowns, but he'll get work done. Todd Gurley, 11 for 68. Not a great game from him, but he also gets, catches six passes for 68 yards. So, I mean... That adds up almost 14 points in standard, 20 in um, 20 in PPR scoring. So even though he doesn't get in the end zone, still a very good game for him. For the Texans, Tom Savage continues to play terribly. He throws two picks, fumbles twice. Uh, still is enough production for DeAndre Hopkins, who goes 7 for 111 yards. But aside from that, there's nobody really that I want a part of in this offense. Lamar Miller, 11 carries for 60 yards. Doesn't do terribly, but doesn't get a ton of work either because the Texans go down so early with the poor play of Tom Savage that they just have to throw the ball. So DeAndre Hopkins is the only guy I want a part of on the offense. CJ Fedorowicz, maybe as he gets more involved. Um, he's coming off of an injury. He just got removed from injured reserve. This was his first game back, so maybe he'll get more involved. But for now, it's just Hopkins that I'm interested Next up, the Atlanta Falcons take down the Dallas Cowboys 27-7. to And Phil, I'm sorry if you're listening, but your Cowboys do not look good. And it's not just because of Ezekiel Elliott. Alfred Morris actually did a pretty good job, it seemed to me, in his fill-in duties. He did 11, uh, 11 carries for 53 yards. So he didn't look that bad. But this attack press got, I, I don't know how many times did he get sacked here. Adrian Claiborne got six sacks in this game. So if you were watching that... That was insane. He got uh, $750,000 in incentives just from this game alone. Six sacks. That's insane. And there were eight total sacks for the team. And uh, the reason Adrian Claiborne got so many sacks, left tackle for the Cowboys, Tyron Smith, goes out in this game. He is replaced by Chaz Green. And Chaz Green is... <laughs> I've, I've never realized how important the left tackle position is until this point. He looked awful. And even in plays where they left, eventually they just had to give him help. So um, Green got uh, the guard blocking for him as well. But then he still let, Green still lets Claiborne get around him. So, like, the double team doesn't even matter. Like, that's how terrible he was playing. He got benched eventually. But left tackle is a huge hole if Tyron Smith is going to be out for a while. And also Sean Lee on the defense. Uh, Sean Lee goes down yet again. He seems to be having injury issues, um, which unfortunately have been a common theme throughout his years in the NFL, but they're just not able to get stops on defense. And like Dak Prescott has done fine, but like just because he's been so uh, pressured, he's gotten sacked so many times, he just doesn't have a chance to do much of anything. So <clears throat> throws for only 176 yards. And because of that, <clears throat> there wasn't really much production from any of the receivers or tight ends either. Jason Witt was 7 for 59, so especially in PPR, that's a decent day. But nobody else did much of anything. And until I see um, at least a left tackle change, at least improvement on the line for the Cowboys, I'm not really going to be expecting much from their offense from here on out. Significant downgrades for Des Bryant and Dak Prescott. For the Falcons, Matt Ryan did pretty well. Again, it was partly due to Sean Lee being gone that they were able to keep moving the ball. But Tevin Coleman, uh, Devonta Freeman went down with his second concussion of the year. Looks like he's going to miss multiple weeks. And Tevin Coleman was in fill-in duties. He went 20 carries, 83 yards, and touchdown. So he looked pretty good. I think he will be a uh, running back too while Freeman is out. 
Uh, Julio Jones goes 6 for 57. Austin Hooper, 6 for 49 and a touchdown. So Hooper is starting to look like a viable tight end streamer. Other than that, there's not really a whole lot of note for the passing uh, for the Falcons. So I think Julio Jones, you got to keep starting him. Got to keep rolling him out there. Hooper maybe as well. And then Tevin Coleman or just whoever's starting a running back for the Falcons. But that's all I want for this team. And then obviously Matt Ryan. If you have him, you're probably starting him as well. The San Francisco 49ers get their first win of the season over the New York Giants. And something needs to change in New York. Ben McAdoo needs to be fired. Something needs to change because they have no motivation. They look completely terrible out there. Like, they're not even trying. And it's very, very sad to see. Um, for the Giants, Eli Manning didn't do terrible. as has the 49ers defense, so that's to be expected. But the, the, the defense is just horrendous for the Giants. Eli Manning throws two touchdowns, which go to... Roger Lewis and Evan Ingram, who continues his streak of dominance at tight end. Six catches, 31 yards, and a touchdown. So not a ton of yardage, but he gets in the end zone yet again. Uh, Sterling Shepard, 11 catches for 142 yards. Um, and that's a big number, but it's not really that surprising when you consider what the, what else the Giants have at wide receiver. Orleans Darkwell, 14 for 70. I was expecting a little more from him up against the 49ers, bottom-of-the-barrel run defense, but... I mean, he did well with what he was given. He just didn't get a ton of run as they did go down early in this game. For the Niners, um, C.J. Beathard actually didn't look that bad. Through two touchdowns to Marquis Goodwin and Garrett Selleck. Again, it was partly because the Giants' defense is just that bad. Um, but Garrett Selleck, most of the guys out there who do fantasy predictions, um, they're calling Garrett Selleck as a deep sleeper because the Giants have allowed a tight end receiving touchdown in every single game this season. And Garrett Selleck continued that streak. Marquise Goodwin also catches one, one for 83 and a touchdown. And my condolences go out to him. If you haven't heard, he lost his son. They had to, he and his wife had to deliver the child early after some complications and he did not make it. Um, so very, very sad story. And, uh, I feel, I feel terrible and I'm wishing the best to his family. Um, Carlos Hyde, 17 for 98. He was in the lead back again, but, uh, Matt Breda was 9 for 55 and a touchdown. So Breda gets the touchdown there. Um, it was a 33 yard run though, so it wasn't a goal line carry. I think Hyde is still the goal line back from what I can tell, but both of these guys are getting run and, they both succeeded in this game, so they both did all right, but still a little concerning for either one of their fantasy production. The New England Patriots destroyed the Denver Broncos 41-16, to and honestly, the Broncos are spiraling out of control. They just look awful on both offense and defense, which even though their offense is struggling, I was still expecting their defense to do better than this, but they've now given up 92 points in two games. So very... Um, They've, they've fallen very far, unfortunately. Um, Brock Osweiler throws an interception. No surprise there. Does throw a touchdown, which again goes to Demarius Thomas. So he's got uh, two in a row now, five for 44 and a touchdown. So this was another late one. It was the third quarter, but they were already down I forget, 24 to 7 or something like that. So I don't really put a lot of stock in it. But then again, the Broncos keep getting blown out like this. They'll keep getting those garbage time scores. So, Manuel Sanders, 6 for 137. I didn't really expect there to be enough production going around from Brock Osweiler for two wide receivers to have good days, but it looks like I was wrong. Unfortunately, can't, the same can't be said for the running backs. 
C.J. Anderson gets 10 carries, Jamal Charles gets 8, Devontae Booker gets 8, and none of them are going to do enough for you to be start-worthy, honestly. I don't think you can start any one of them at this point, because they all are pretty much equally involved. When you have a three-headed monster like that, unless you're the Patriots, you can't pull it off. Speaking of the Patriots' three-headed monster, they had a lot of success. Deion Lewis, 14 for 55 and a touchdown. Rex Burkhead, 10 for 36 on the ground, 3 for 27 and a touchdown through the air. And James White also caught a touchdown. So three running backs, all of which scored a touchdown for this team. I think <laughs> there's not really any other three-headed running back squads that I want a part of, but, but the Patriots seem to be able to pull it off, at least at this point. Tom Brady throws for three touchdowns. As I mentioned, two of them go to those running backs. Uh, and the last one goes to Dwayne Allen. It was his only catch in the game. I think it might have been his only catch the entire season for him. Um, and a little surprising coming off the Martellus Bennett signing, which, speaking of which, if you guys haven't uh, called in with your thoughts, I've got one call in, but if anybody, would else, if anybody else wants to chime in on their thoughts on the Martellus Bennett situation, feel free to do that. Um, but he, despite saying that he was... He wanted off-season surgery when he was with the Packers. Now he's signed with the Patriots, and he plays and looks perfectly fine. He catches three passes for 38 yards. Brandon Cooks and Rob Gronkowski both get 74. Neither of them get in the end zone, but they still get their yardage for you. And the Patriots continue to produce. Um, there's so many mouths to feed, but they're all producing, so it's hard to say to bench any of them. There's a lot of fantasy goodness on that roster. And finally, our Monday night game, the Carolina Panthers put up 45 points on the Miami Dolphins and win 45-21. to The Dolphins continue to look not that good. Uh, they did score two late touchdowns. One of them was a 66-yard run by Kenya Drake. It's their first rushing touchdown for the Dolphins this entire season. That's how poorly they've been doing. Uh, the big confusing thing for me was Kenya Drake, 7 for 82 in a touchdown. He looked great. Damian Williams, though, was the lead back for some reason. He... Carried nine times for 19 yards, so barely a two-yard average. Caught two passes. And he was just on the field a lot more than Kenyon Drake, and I'm not sure why that is. Because to me, in both of these games, Kenyon Drake has looked like the better back, but for now it looks like Damian Williams is the number one. And I don't know why that is, but I don't know. There's not really. I still think Drake is the better bet to get production, because as we saw in this game, he's the more explosive back. Uh, but Williams looks like he's going to get the majority of the work right now. Cutler throws two touchdowns, which go to Jarvis Landry and Julius Thomas. Thomas catches only two passes in this game for eight yards, but one of them is a touchdown. So um, he's what he's basically a Tyler Eifert, like a complete boomer bust. Like he, if he catches anything, it's a touchdown kind of guy. Uh, Jarvis Landry gets in the end zone. He matches his. I don't. I think this is he's tied with five touchdowns on the year with his touchdown production in any of his other seasons in Miami so far. So Jay Cutler coming to town has been good for him. Devontae Parker, 6 for 66, not a great game. Uh, Kenny Stills, 5 for 67. So the three uh, three receivers there kind of split the work a lot. And then for the Panthers, Cam Noon is returning to his 2012 form, and I hate to say it, but he looked good. Four touchdown passes along with uh, 95 yards rushing. So he is putting up numbers, and Devin Funches looks like a legit number one receiver without Calvin Benjamin. Five for 92 and two touchdowns. And the number two receiver for this team, Curtis Samuel, it looks like he he's, uh, was put on IR. He actually didn't really look that good in this game. He dropped a touchdown, like a wide-open touchdown, and that's actually the play he got hurt on as uh, the 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 Dolphins defender dove to get an interception that bounced off of Samuel's hands, ended up rolling over his ankle. Yeah, and Samuel's just been put on injured reserve. So they don't really have a lot of receiving options outside of Funchess. So I think they're going to have to continue to feed him the ball. 
Christian McCaffrey is the only other guy I'm really interested in. He catches three for 27 and a touchdown. Also rushes for one. Five for 23 and a touchdown on the ground. But, I mean, it was really ridiculous how much the Panthers were having success running the ball. Jonathan Stewart at 110 yards. Cam Newton at 95, as I mentioned. Cameron Artis Payne, seven for 68 and a touchdown. One of them came on a long 43-yard run. He was just trying to run out the clock, and Miami just they blew up uh, defensively. And then McCaffrey also had 23 yards. So they were closing in on 300 yards rushing before the game ended. So the Panthers are firing on all cylinders on offense. Their defense isn't looking half bad either. So they are a team to be taken seriously, it looks like. As long as Cam Newton's playing the way that he is, uh, playing like he was in his MVP season, this is a team that we're going to have to take notice of, and they are making a legit run for the playoffs. That does it for this week's recap. Thank you all for listening. Again, uh, I don't I don't think I actually said what the title of my article was, but it is an AFC playoff picture article, so just going through basically all the teams that are in the running and looking at their chances of making the playoffs, uh, strength and weaknesses, that kind of deal. So I will be posting that. Uh, hopefully tomorrow, as soon as I, as soon as it gets posted, I will record myself reading it. So then you can listen to it on the podcast, or I will have the link in the episode description. You can go read it if you prefer that. Either way, that'll be up tomorrow, most likely. Otherwise, Thursday. But you guys will hear about it at some point. So thank you all for joining me again. Stay tuned for that. And with that, I'll talk to you all next time. Thanks. <laughs>